You don't have to think about it. It is right here. It is right now. so strange. Said you know. How you doing today, Brandon Stokely? Doing great. How you doing? Doing fantastic. Happy Tuesday to you. So we roll along. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh. Will you be my radio Valentine? Ask me at the end of the show. See how much you pissed me off today. We'll see. What you have did to be determined. What what what? Uh, I know you got Lana big gift. What did you What did you get her this year? Yeah, that's ah, look. Come on, I don't like to discuss my personal business. Uh, oh my gosh! Did we, you um? Did you get a vacuum for your wife this year? A washer machine? A dryer? What did you? Uh, I got a can of paint and a brush. There you go. Some, there you go. some of that painter's yeah. tape. <laughs> <laughs> got to work this weekend. Uh, no, we, um, I mean, gosh, like, and, and anyone who's, I don't want to say anyone because some people just, you know, do it year after year. But, like, I've been with my wife for, like, a decade and a half now. Like, you get to Valentine's Day number 9, 10, 11, 12. Like, you can still do, like, we'll do a nice little dinner. You know, I'll get her some flowers, but, like, there's no, like, exchanging of, like, gifts anymore. Yeah, yeah. You got kids, and, you you know, it's, yeah. You get to that point where it's just kind of like. The gift is, like, I'll do both baths tonight. Right. You just I, hang yeah. down here and have a glass, glass. of rosé. Yes. I got I got the kids tonight. You you chill out. But I'm I may, past those days. I may have a little something up my sleeve, okay. though. A little. Yeah? A little. All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I don't actually have the gift, but I think I have the gift. So I'm up for debate. Do I tell her that I have this gift that we'll be going to, but I don't actually have possession of it? Right. It's like one of those coupons. I think you're good. I think you're good. Okay. I think you're good to uh, good to, good to go on that front. Okay. You ever do like the coupon? Like, hey, here's a coupon for like one, you know, fill in the blank. Here's a coupon for like like a wife to give you. Hey, here's a. Uh, a get-out-of-jail-free card anytime you want to play golf. Oh, yes. Here's like yes, a coupon. Yes, yes, yes. You're right. That's what you do. I like that. I like that. You left your 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 um, conditioner leave-in in today, uh, didn't you? You put that in. It, it looks much better. Your hair is looking slick <laughs> today. Gosh. It's we looking can, slick. I cannot do referendums on my you, hair. Did you, radio show. did you not leave in the conditioner today? And you know what it you is? Did. I got out of the shower. I dried it, combed it, and then hit it just with a quick little hairspray from my wife's oh, on the, the counter. Hairspray. Just, a, just a little bit. Yeah. That, okay. that, that looks like a lot. Or whatever looks that like is. a lot. No, no, looks no. Like, it's looking no, good today. I'm trying to give you credit. Don't be so sis. I'm trying to give you credit today. You know who deserves credit? Who? Seriously? The Denver Nuggets, without their second and third leading scorer, going on the road and beating a Miami Heat team that had won eight consecutive games in Miami. Miami's a good basketball team and a hard place to play. A lot of distractions down there, for sure. Uh, And just a good basketball team. Yeah. Bruce Brown, uh, who went to college at Miami, uh, the U, it's like there's festivities down here that you have to deal with. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Lining up what you're going to do after the game is usually a, a, a mental hurdle that you you try not to you know look too forward to. Um, but going down there, getting us what I think is a signature road win, 112-108, no Jamal Murray, 
no Aaron Gordon. That's your second and third leading scorers. Jokic goes for 27 points on 12 of 14 shooting. 40th double-double of the season. Mentioned Miami had won eight in a row at home. The Nuggets are now five games ahead of the Memphis Grizzlies for the number one seed in the Western Conference. Look, um, my concern here, and that that is a great win. I mean, well said. My concern, and my concern last week was Jamal Murray. Like, and that's my question to you: is what's going on there? Do you remember? You're like, well, it's his other knee. I'm like, but I'm still concerned here. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, he's not playing because there's swelling in his in his non-surgical knee. Um, the one that you know his other one, and I, I'm like I've been concerned about it, and and now is that why he missed it again last night? That yes, sir. Same knee soreness, swelling, or whatever the case may be. Hey, that like because everything is going so well, too right? well, and, almost and, too and well. This is what I'm expecting to happen. Something like this to happen, right? And all of a sudden, it, it's like not a big deal. It's just like oh, it's just his other knee. It's a little bit of swelling, and then it just kind of lingers and lingers, and then it becomes a big deal, and all of a sudden the train is off the tracks. It, it, do, do I have a right to be concerned or like like now? Nope. You, we're nope. good here. You, you officially have a right to be concerned. Why? Because in the last 24 hours or so, Jamal said we're going to reevaluate after the All-Star break. So it had to be significant enough for you to miss like the last, like call it week and a half up until the All-Star break. And then you're going to reevaluate what it looks like. I don't know what's going on. I really don't. I don't know what's going on. And, and about a week ago when you were like, hey, what's going on? And I was like, hey, no worries. It's it's not that. It's not the knee that he missed a year and a half for. But it's like, okay, as these games keep stacking up, I'm in your camp. I don't know what's going on. Um, and I'm jaded because of everything that we've gone through. Especially with him. Yes. You know, last year and how long it took him to come back from the ACL. I mean, it was way, way too long. I don't want to say way, way too long, but it was it was a long process. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he he obviously was going through some things with that with that surgery um, and trying to come back from it. But it was a long, long process. And now you're looking at this other knee, and you're having swelling in it. Well, you don't have swelling just because it's everything is fine with your knee. So something's going on with the other knee. Yeah, something and happened. Just hopefully, it's not anything major and. Hopefully you give them some time before the all-star break, during the all-star break, and then everything is fine. But my mind goes to almost like worst-case scenario here. You know, I, I, I'm not quite there, um, but I am concerned. I mean, I'm looking at the game log, actually, and I'm going back. He's now missed one, two, three, four, five games in a row. Wow. You have another game against Dallas here uh, t- uh, tomorrow, and then you have the all-star break. So that's another so there's another week in between. If he's not playing after the All-Star break, Whoa. the antennas should be touching the sky. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a long break for him. Yes. That's a long break. I mean that'd be about two and a half weeks probably. Yeah. Something yes. like that. Yeah, uh uh yeah, probably yeah. Yeah, two and a half. Cuz they have like 7 8 9 days off for the All-Star yeah, about, break, don't they? About, yeah, it's about um you go the, the last game is tomorrow the 15th and the next game after that is the 23rd. So about 8 days off, okay. uh 7 days off um between games here. Okay, Aaron Gordon, what's what's the latest on him? Why didn't he play uh last night? Do you do you have a is it is it injury related? Are they just resting him? What's going on with 
um, with with his situation. You know what? I um, I haven't seen any. I didn't see anything. Um, no, no. And I actually missed the pregame, which I usually have it pulled up. Um, there's nothing he, now he, in the notes about. Well, he, he was listed as questionable, so let's just start there. Right. You know, so he he could have played. Um, he's been dealing with the, I forgot what it was. He's a, been dealing with back, I yeah, believe. Yeah, something like yeah. a bleak back or um, shoulder or something. It was some kind of, it felt like it was an upper body. It's, it's a, it's now a, yes. a, it's a left rib contusion. Yeah, it's like oblique. Um, oh, that just happened two games ago. He was going to the bucket, got hit, and was like grimacing, grimacing, grimacing. I believe finished the game, but we haven't seen him uh, in, I believe, the last two. Okay, so that's, that's. Probably not anything to be overly concerned with. Uh, Russ, hopefully he can play in the next game against Dallas. That'll be a fun one. Kyrie, Luke yeah, is back. Yeah, um, yeah. So that, that'll be a fun kind of matchup there with um, a couple couple heavyweights. Hopefully you have Aaron Gordon in the lineup. But the other guy stepped up nicely. I mean, that was, that was, um, that was like seven, you said, that seven. was a nice, nice win on the road. A sneaky good win there. It was. It was seven seven nuggets uh, in double figures, and they shot as a team. I think it was fifty. Goodness, it was like fifty eight percent as a club. I mean, really, really good. Um, and you know, Porter made five threes. And Vlatko, if you watch the fourth quarter, I don't know if they win without Vlatko Chanchar, who was like firmly in the playing group. He had two signature blocks down the stretch of that game when it turned into a one two possession game, and Miami was storming back. Vlatko made a handful, literally probably four plays in the last six minutes that directly impacted the Nuggets winning that game. The debut of Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant. That was the debut uh, yes. for him. Ten points. I think uh, you're gonna. Uh, I think you're gonna come around re- on him. Rebounds. Yeah. Yep. Two for two free throws. Yep. So uh, yeah. Yep. Okay. He, he had a deep two at the end of a shot clock. Like it wasn't. Could, it wasn't personal against Thomas Bryant. It sounded like, that way huh? though. It sounded Did that it? way. Yeah. Well, I apologize to Thomas Bryant. It's not personal about him. I wanted a big move. Right. And that wasn't a big move. I understand. Right. I understand. And he was just in the way. Right, he just took the stray there. It wasn't. It wasn't anything about Thomas Bryant being this awful player, like wouldn't fit here, all of that. It was like I wanted a big time move, and so I was a little bit let down. So I apologize to Thomas Bryant. He's going to provide some score into that second group, um, and he's a, he's a capable three point shooter as well. He's just he can put the ball in the hoop, Stoke. He can put the ball in the hoop. This is a this is a showcase for him. This is the last year of his deal. So he's going to hit the open market. This is likely a rental here for the rest of the season, trying to win a championship with a solid center because he's going to look to get paid. So it's doubtful that he or Bruce Brown, for that matter, is going to be back. So let's see what this group can do down the stretch. 40 wins before the All-Star break. First time in franchise history and 40 and 18. Has the All-Star break, sorry to cut you off, has the All-Star break always been this far no, back, though? No. Like, so you can say, hey, most wins ever before the All-Star break, but the All-Star break probably used to be more in the middle of the season. Correct. And now it's like you only got 20 yeah, it's like two-thirds of the way almost. left to go. Yeah. So when people say that, I'm like, okay, I, I, I'm not putting too much into that stat. Okay, I think you'll like this one better. Okay. 40 and 18, best start through 58 games in franchise history. Now, that's a real stat. That's a real stat, Zach. Love it. That's what I expect from you. All Happy right. Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Look at Day. your hair looking all good today. I did it for you. I know. My radio Valentine. There we go. <laughs>
Remember those bowls hold me? That was going viral the first year. Bowls. Oh gosh, let they me hold be you out somewhere. <laughs> no, they, they, they're, they're always out. Those cards. Like 2017, yes. 2018, or oh, whatever gosh. it was. Let me hold you. All right. Oh, what is the latest on Sean Payton's first staff in Denver? Things are moving and shaking a little bit. We'll fill you in what you need to know coming up next. On Denver's Sports Station, 104.3, The Fan. What is the latest on Sean Payton's first staff in Denver? I'm not, um... I'm not looking at the timeline as overwhelmingly negative here, but I am, I will admit to you, getting like a minorly anxious on who the heck is going to coach this football team as we are now midway through the month of February. The league year starts in one month and a day, and we still have no idea who the coordinators are actually going to be for the Broncos. See, I'm not concerned um, offensively at all. I mean, that's Sean Payton's show. Right, he's got us covered there. Probably going to bring in a couple guys. You know, he's bringing in Stinsom or whoever his offensive line coach that he knows. Uh, they know each other, so um, I don't know about Ronald Curry. You know, there was talk about the interview there. We haven't heard anything about him. No, I'm kind of surprised that ha- that hasn't happened. It seemed like he would be on track to be the quote unquote offensive coordinator, quarterback coach type of role for him. That hasn't happened, so I'm kind of. Um, curious about that why that because I thought that was going to be the the next hire that we saw but offensively I'm not really concerned about anything we got a couple coaches in place and Sean Payton's running the show right Right. so we're good there that was one of the benefits about hiring Sean Payton being an offensive coach we're good on that side of the football he is the captain of that ship okay so we're good there defensively now I um okay I mean I kind of get why you're getting a little bit anxious here uh, just a little bit. Yeah, no, I, yeah, right. Just a little bit. I'm and I'm kind of the same way. Let's say, hey, all right, it's getting late early here. What's going on? Let's get a defensive coordinator in um, because that's been our strength, and you want to keep a strength of strength. Keep a strength right? of strength. So, is it uh, is it going to be Rex? Is it going to be Rex? And now that he's kind of done with all of his probably big media responsibilities with the Super Bowl being over, now we might hear something in the next couple of days, or is it going to be someone else? Um, I just don't know. It seems like we get the updates almost after the fact. Yeah, with, with this time around. Yeah, it's not like, hey, X, uh, uh, candidate X is interviewing tomorrow. It's like, hey, candidate X interviewed yesterday, two days ago. Um, so maybe the dominoes are falling right now. And while we're on the air, you know, we find out today. That could certainly be a possibility. But it, it does feel like actually any second we could get some sort of of, of update on this. Um, the updates that we have right now in terms of, you know, going to the last break, I said things are a little bit moving and shaking. Here's what you need to know. Wide receiver coach Zach Azani, who has been with the Broncos for many years, I think you've kind of been a fan of from afar, yeah. um, liking some of the stuff that he does. He is interviewing with the Jets uh, today. He interviewed with the Buffalo Bills yesterday. Uh, staying on staff, according to NFL Network's Tom Pelissero, staying on staff with Sean Payton remains a possibility. 
Okay, so the door is still open there, but he's cur- currently interviewing um, with two teams in the AFC East. We also have another update on a name that our listeners probably won't know. To be totally honest with you, Mike Kliss reporting uh, Ramon Chinyoung, the Broncos' offensive quality control coach, uh, coach last season, is becoming assistant O-line coach with the Cowboys, per source. Uh, Chin Young is highly regarded, according to Mike Kliss, by players and coaches and viewed as a rising star in the coaching industry. Just figured I'd pass that along because that could be a name like Brandon Staley. We were like, wait, this guy was here and now he's right. going, what? Like, yeah. well, he's the coach of the Chargers now? Um, so Ramon Chin Young, okay, I'll file that one away. And then um, Mike Kliss also putting it out there that Panthers head coach Frank Wright now has Dom Capers and Jim Caldwell as senior assistants. Why is that significant to us here? Because Dom Capers was the Broncos senior uh, defensive assistant a year ago. Okay. So. All right. Good update there. Um, I'm just kind of expecting it to be Rex Ryan. I don't know. Just total speculation to be it, our defensive coordinator. I mean, like, why are we, go, why are we hearing that name if that's um, not who it's going to be? Like, you know, if you're going to interview him, you, you you have interest in him unless he bombs the interview. He, he It tells me he has interest in getting back into coaching. Sure. And I don't know any other names really after that, of who it could be with any kind of experience unless you just go with a, a total newbie, which you could. I mean, Ejero Everett was pretty much a, a first-time D coordinator, right? Pretty much. True. And uh, he did a good job. So I guess you could go down that road. I just would rather a veteran coach with that group on that side of the football. And I would like to see it uh, be Rex Ryan. That would be fun, entertaining defensive football. Uh, so, And in addition to the fun, entertaining defensive football, he's got a real resume. He's got a, he's got a bona fide resume. Now, it hasn't been um, any time recent, but there is no one, uh, 90%, with, with 90% certainty, I can say this, there's no one that Sean K- Payton could bring in that has the defensive pelts on the wall that Rex Ryan does. Yeah. Because you're not, again, just to reset this, you're not going to get, uh, in all likelihood, a, another current defensive coordinator to leave his post and come to Denver. That's just not how it works. Even the co- even the organization that that coach would work for would likely block it anyway. So you're probably, in all likelihood, going to have to elevate someone from their current position um, and make them defensive coordinator or someone like Rex who hasn't been in the game for a little bit um, that can just jump on board as a free agent. Yeah. Um, another name that I just thought of is... Um a guy, a, a guy that uh, did coach here a couple of years. He was a Chargers defensive coordinator uh, for a little while. Uh, John Pagano, Chuck's oh. brother, John Pagano, um, longtime coach. He was coaching here a couple of years ago, and he, um, he he took last year uh, off. And um, he he would be another. That's an interesting really, one because he's been around the block. He knows the game obviously, and he's been a defensive coordinator, and he's been a really good defensive coordinator. Um, I don't know what Chuck Pagano's doing. I don't know if he's totally out of the game. Uh, but just thinking about like guys with experience, and um, uh, you know, I've gone up against John's defenses a bunch, and uh, he, he always did a really nice job. Wasn't there some sort of, uh, and maybe I'm totally misremembering this. Wasn't there some sort of run in with you and him? Yeah, was he the coach that yeah. might have been on the field? Yeah, he denies it to this day, uh, but I believe it was him. That was that Chargers game in 2012. They intercepted Peyton. And I was about to walk down. I think it was Quentin Jammer. I was about to walk him Quentin down. Quentin Jammer. I think, I think well, it might not have been him. It might have been someone. But I was about to walk him down. One of their coaches 
came off of the sideline kind of celebrating and got in my way, and I had to bow around that guy. <laughs> and I ended up just like two or three yards short of, of um, making the tackle. Okay. Yeah. And if I just could have kept going, I would have made that play. I know I would have made that play. And so I turn around. I'm furious. I mean, I mean, like that. that I think that put him up twenty four nothing too. I'm absolutely furious. Was this the comeback night? Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going like I want to fight someone and whoever that fat coach was on the sideline oh that my. came out. And I'm yelling at the ref like that's got to be a flag. You can't come out on the field. And, and and it made it got in my way. It instructed me and something like, what's going on here? And I just knew it was John Pagano. I just knew it. <laughs> he denies it. He says it was someone else. And I just knew it was him. And oh I still believe gosh. it was him. Even if it wasn't him, it was him. We gotta get you the tape. Me? Yeah, we gotta we gotta get the tape on so, that. So um it was uh and then we ended up coming back, but it was uh it's it's pretty funny. I see him every now and then uh, around town. Yeah, he's still yeah, kinda yeah. local, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Boulder uh, Roots. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, his dad was a dad got inducted into the Colorado Sports Hall of Fame, I think, with Peyton um, years yeah, ago. I, I so they have roots here. Yeah. So his dad was a great high school coach. Yeah, they went to um, uh, Fairview uh, High School. Oh, Fairview. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, up in Boulder. Yeah. And um, uh, Chuck Pagano um, went to uh, Wyoming uh, way back in the day. So kind of not like hyper local to where we're sitting right now, but kind of regionally. Um, those are good. Those are good names. Those are good names. Quentin Jammer. That's a name from the past, man. Texas. Texas. He was a great, great cornerback. He was a top five yeah. pick. He, I mean, he was like strong, fast, all of those things. Yeah. Awesome player. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome player. Uh, really, really was a great college player and a really good pro player. But yeah, John Pagano. Yeah. He, he's on the list. He's on the list. The <laughs> <hit> <laughs> <laughs> all right. We know that the Chiefs are on a historic run. We might have to get him on to tell his side of the story. I would love that. Yeah. I would absolutely love that. Uh, we know the Chiefs are on a historic run, but there is a very problematic sentence that folks are not going to like. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. That's next. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Stokely and Zach. Understand that the Chiefs are on a historic run. Anyone that wants to just face reality understands that. Dynasty? No. Eh. By the way, by the way, what? Mark Slareth, the growth on this guy, came off that the Chiefs are a dynasty. Oh, look at Marky! After oh, arguing tooth wow. and nail, after arguing tooth and nail yesterday, <laughs> he said the Chiefs are not a dynasty today. I'm proud of him. Which, like, you know, he's not stuck and stubborn old man. I, mean, I love guy, that. He's not rigid. Like, he's like, okay, uh, great job, Mark. He, he, he moved off his spot. And if Mark can change, and I can change. And we could change. <laughs> you sound like Rocky. That's what it is. Okay. No, uh, when, he's in, when he's in Russia, when the people start yeah. to like start cheer him at the oh, end. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you yeah. could change, and I could change. Um, Good job. <laughs> anyway, the Chiefs are on a historic run. But there's another painful sentence for us here in Broncos country that I just want to acknowledge. And I 
don't even think it's refutable. I don't think. But here's the sentence. Pat Mahomes is at minimum a top 10 quarterback of all time, and he's only maybe halfway through his career. That's the painful sentence Yeah, that we are watching. And I'm saying at minimum, because I believe after diving into the research last night and this morning, I believe he's about right now the seventh greatest quarterback of all time by accomplishment and by eye test. Yeah, look, he's been great. It's been a great start, obviously. Um, so it's it's not fun being on the you know other side of the street. You know where that's where we are. We're not you know other side of town. We're the other side of the street, right? Looking over at his mansion with train tracks separating the two. Yeah, so where it's, like the tax rates are different. It's uh, not fun, not fun at all. Uh, but obviously, a great start to his career. It's it's historic and. You know, two Super Bowls, two MVPs, and, you know, we'll see what it looks like moving forward. Uh, but but certainly, you know, being able to lose a guy like Tyreek Hill and not miss a beat this year and actually score more points and more yards than you did the year before um, is impressive. It, it really is. So it's hard to sustain long runs. They've done a great job. And let's see, you know, what it looks like moving forward, if they can keep this thing going and uh, what it looks like. It's, it's, um, it's not an easy thing to do, uh, but, but obviously – you know, being in the same division is not fun with a guy like that. No. It's, um, I think, inarguably the greatest half a decade start to a starting quarterback's career. And to find other quarterbacks that even have the, like, let's just create, like, the rudimentary, like, line. What quarterbacks in league history have two Super Bowl wins, two Super Bowl MVPs, and two regular season MVPs? If you just keep it like super basic like that, not even talking about being the touchdown leader multiple times, you know, being first team multiple times and, you know, NFL passing leader. If you just kept it to who's got two Super Bowl wins with two Super Bowl MVPs and two regular season MVPs, you chop off like even some of the greatest players that have ever played the position, the Brett Favre's, the Dan Marino's, the Roger Staubach's, the Drew Brees. Dare I say the John Elways, like already at 20, what is he, 27 or 28? Uh, he is uh, 27 years old. He'll turn 28 in the uh, in the fall. It's, it's hard to find other quarterbacks in the history of this league with resumes like him. The quarterbacks that I have ahead of him in the pantheon of the position right now, Stoke, based on merit, is Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, Terry Bradshaw, Johnny Unitas, who's not quite in the modern era, but I'm being conservative by putting him in there. And if you wanted to throw Aaron Rodgers in there, you could, because I think the four regular season MVPs with a Super Bowl, with a Super Bowl MVP, if you wanted to and you wanted to be conservative, you can put him ahead of Mahomes right now. But beyond those uh, six, I can't find other quarterbacks in the history of the, of the position um, that have accomplished what he's accomplished in s- such a short time. It's not all him. He's got a great team, got a great coach. But that's my next follow-up question. How much of this success is tied into Andy Reid? And the reason I'm asking it is because the day of the Super Bowl, the day before the Super Bowl, he said he's got a decision to make after the Super Bowl. If he wants to come back, I'm assuming he's coming back. He said he's coming back. He already said he's coming yeah, back. Okay. he's back. He's back. But Reid is not going to be coaching this team, I don't think, four, five, six years from now. Right. 
And um, so it's not going to be a Brady-Belichick two-decade run. And how much of the success is tied into Reed, I think, is a, a super relevant question. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, you know, you, you I'm sure they'll try to have a plan in place there because they know that Andy Reed won't be around probably for the next decade. Um, but so I'm sure they'll try to have a plan in place, a succession plan there. Um, I just think your football team changes, you know, throughout the years. And, you know, can you... Uh, sustain that success, and obviously they did. It changed this year in a big way uh, with with Tyreek Hill. And I mean, you look at their roster, and you know they spent a first round pick on Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yep. He, he didn't do anything. I mean, he has fizzled out in a big, big way. And he was a scratch for the Super Bowl, by the way. Yeah, he finally like, got healthy. He had come off IR, right. but finally they, got healthy. Yeah. And you know, at that point, I didn't expect him to play him after missing that much time. You your backfield's been. Really good with Pacheco and McKinnon and a little bit of Ronald Jones. Why, why mess with it and, and worry about rust with a guy like that? Sky Moore, young draft pick this year, early draft pick. I don't remember when they got him. Second round, maybe um, first round, late first round, second uh, round. I thought he was lit. Uh, no, he was a second round pick. Okay. He was and, a second round pick out of Western Michigan. You know, so they're they're building some talent around him, and they do it with Juju Smith Schuster, Marquez Valdez, Scantling. Um, Darius Tony, yeah. So it's uh, they've just been doing it different ways. So it's uh, it's impressive what they were able to do this year. And um, but for the most part, you you look at that football team though, they're a healthy team. Yeah, you know they they, they were a healthy team this year. Travis Kelsey's never gotten hurt. You look at you know Frank Clark and Chris Jones. I mean they they didn't miss many games if any at all really. And so they're a really healthy football team. Um, in the Super Bowl, they got banged up against Cincy, but everyone pretty much played that they needed against uh, you know in the Super Bowl. So that's that's also you know luck on your side a little bit when it comes to injuries. Sure, their offensive line intact, intact, and a terrific, terrific offensive line reshaped even from just uh, three seasons ago. Um, Makes it easier when you're playing on you know slip and slide. Yeah, and actually, I want to circle back to that because one team dealt with that a lot more than the other. And it's like, wait, why? And who was prepared and who wasn't? And the attention to detail. I have some. I have a note on that. Someone took a deep dive into it. I'll share with you here, uh, maybe at the top of the hour. But in the meantime, we take a break from the previous discussion. The NFL has a fundamental problem that they need to figure out, according to one of our hosts here at the Fan, and he'll join us next. Listening to Stokely and Zach on Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. Guess who's back? Back again. From vacation from the golf course oh, from the sunny him and Arizona oh, him and Penner. golf course. <laughs> Cancel meetings. Cancel meetings on, left James. and right. James, you can't call out Greg Penner for <laughs> taking a few days of relaxation in Pebble Beach, and then you're going for a whole week. We were looking for you to come in studio and get some work done and have a good hit with you. And I planned on joining the sales meeting on Tuesday. Right. Yeah, where, and where, it got canceled. Where'd y'all was, do the sales uh, meeting at? I was working hard. Uh, didn't miss a single meeting. Oh. Didn't oh, miss okay. a single radio hit. Yeah. Uh, hosted Denver Sports Tonight. Uh, most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> How, was How was it? How was it? It was How great. Was it? it was a ton of fun. And, you know, it, just to go down and be able to do the golf tournament and, and Radio Row and just everything that's uh, involved with the Super Bowl and 
uh, going to the party on Friday for Rondé Barber, who got elected to the Hall of Fame. It was a Superbook deal. Awesome. Uh, which was really, really cool. That's so cool. John Lynch was there. Tiki was there. It was, um, it was, it was, it was a ton of fun. We had a good time. We had a good time. Uh, we teased into the last break that the NFL has a problem. They do. And it showed itself again um, during the peak moment in the very zenith game of the sport. And it kind of felt like a year of frustration culminated with that holding call. And you wrote about it at denversports.com. Yeah, and it was the second consecutive big game where as soon as it was over, the, the conversation is hashtag rigged, hashtag robbed, hashtag whatever. And people are talking about the officiating. First of all, that's not good for the league. You don't want that to be the, the topic of conversation. And it's easy to dismiss it and say, oh, they're conspiracy theorists and Arian Foster and all, all that, right? And just say these people are, are off the rockers. That's fine, but it's a perception becomes reality at some point, right? And if you're the league and it starts to look like this just isn't on the up and up, at some point people will stop watching, wagering, and caring. They will. And so they need to nip it in the bud. And, you know, everybody said the same thing when people complained about NBA officials a, a dozen years ago. And then the Tim Donahue thing comes out. And you're like, huh, maybe, maybe some of those calls against Allen Iverson and the Nuggets were a little bit fishy. I'm not saying that's what's going on here. But you can't have the biggest game, the biggest moment, and the biggest stage come down to something like that. And that's all anybody's talking about for two days is, is the call instead of the great game, instead of, how amazing the Chiefs were in the second half. I honestly feel as bad for them as I do the yeah, Eagles. Yeah. The Eagles got cheated out of their chance, but the, the Chiefs have now got this asterisk on something that they probably would have won anyway. And it, it's just, it's a problem. And it's it when it's, it seems so egregious, I think to just dismiss it, turn the page and move on and act like nothing happened is a mistake. But boy, that's what the league's marketing and media machine does. Yep. And as soon as that happened again in the in the AFC title game, it was just we're up on stage, we're passing out the trophy, we're talking about who's going to the Super Bowl. And as soon as it happened the other day, uh, Fox was talking about, oh, is he going to be able to make the field goal? It's like, wait a minute. We're just going to act like what we just saw didn't happen? Um, and I think it's problematic. I think you do that enough, you're going to turn people off. I think Greg Olson did a good job of calling it out and sticking with his guns, even when they had the – the old ref on that's, you know, sticking up for his buddies yeah. sure. and saying, no, look at the tug there. Greg Olson did a really good job in that moment Agreed. of, like, being the voice of reason and fans and just like, no, that in that situation, Mike Pereira, whoever it was, that probably, that shouldn't have been called in that situation. What, uh, you got another thought well, on the line there? I was, I was just going to add to it. Everybody dismissed Arian Foster last week as just, a, you know, a, a, a nutty idea. I don't think he said it well, right? Like, I don't think he was trying to say that the league gives you a script like it's a movie script, and that's exactly what you have to go execute. You couldn't choreograph a football play if you had a year to practice it. It just, it, you couldn't do it. Um, so everybody making fun of, oh, yeah, boy, I hated that day. I got the script that I was blowing out my knee on Sunday. That's not what he meant. I think what he really meant was it's influenced, and there are, there are subjective judgment calls that happen. You could call on every single play. Offensive holding and then defensive holding slash pass interference. You could call them on every play. And I, you will, you cannot convince me that NFL officials don't dictate the pace of the game and try and keep things from turning into routes and keep people in, in it and keep the game close, especially in a nationally televised game. You can't convince me that they don't do that with those calls. Well, that's well, well, well I just want to say. But, but you know what I hate here? 
I hate here is when people, and I want to get your thoughts, your, your comment, but I hate when, when people say, well, look, you know, you, you, are you not going to call this offsides in the first quarter? And then we're going to, you know, when, when do you draw the line on when to call penalties and when not to call penalties? Well, there, 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 there should be a different viewpoint of letting them play a little bit more towards the end of football games. And then the ones that are just, you know, like, there's no judgment there if the guy's offsides or not. Either he's offsides or, or he isn't, right? It, it's not like uh, a holding call where that's that's a judgment call right. all the way. Right. Not, not if a guy's offsides. That's not a judgment that's call. That's cut just, and dry. Yeah, you just look. He's yeah. offsides. Okay, it's an easy flag to throw. Yeah. All the rest of them, pass interference, holding calls, those are all judgment calls by a referee. If he wants to throw the flag, he does. If not, he doesn't. It's not like the guy being offsides or not offsides. That's easy. Anyone can do that job. I like that and the distinction between those two. Here's what I want to give you a pushback on. Um, I actually don't want to die on the hill that referees have the influence in the way you kind of framed it. I do, however, want to draw a line between that, what you said, and what Arian Foster said. Arian Foster literally referred to WWE, and then we know the results. Someone's got to carry out the process. That is not what you're saying. No, so I don't, not I don't, at all. I don't want to all. mix in Arian Foster's what I think is nonsense into the more credible take in your approach. And I just, I, I just, anybody who doesn't think that that's possible, just watch games next year. Early in the season, you know, you don't have to do this all year. I'm not giving you that kind of assignment. But especially now, nationally televised games, through the lens of are they or are they not trying to influence the pace of the game? You just watch how many times the team's up 14 to nothing. They got the ball and they got a chance to make this thing a total blowout. Boy, a couple holding calls just ended that drive in the head to punt, punt it back. I, I'm not saying they care who wins it. I'm just saying they care that it's a competitive game and people stay tuned in throughout the thing. And I, I find it fishy. And I, I found what happened at the end of the AFC Championship game fishy when everything went toward the Bengal, or toward the Chiefs and against the Bengals. And then I just found that call in, to end the Super Bowl. Uh, it, it, was, it was curious. I'll put it that way. What did you make of the field? Well, I was surprised that one team was able to deal with it and the other one wasn't. Like, what is pregame warm-ups for? And Stoke, you would know that better than anybody. Don't you go out there and have to test it to where you know, oh, man, I got I to gotta change my cleats here. And it certainly seemed like Philadelphia had issues m- to a much greater extent than, than Kansas City. So. Yeah, well, I think, you know, pregame, you go out there, you, you like to wear what you like to wear. They, they are, you know, when you... I never liked to wear those seven stud, the, the detachable ones, because they were yeah. longer and they, they hurt my feet. And I, I like the molded one, a little bit smaller ones. Um, and that, that's just what I wore. Um, so you, you don't want to change that in the Super Bowl if you don't have to. So I think at the beginning, you're going to just try to go with what you've been going with. And then you have to make an adjustment after that. But that shouldn't be the case in the Super Bowl, James. No. It's a Super Bowl. You have one guy, like, that's his responsibility for the year, right? This is yeah. what this guy gets paid to do, and you roll out that trash? It used to be the great George Toma. He was the guy who was in charge of the Super Bowl field. The fact that I know that name is, like, how important that was back in the 80s, 90s when he was doing it. it look, I, it was it was a little bit of a quirky weather week, and they, they, they rolled that grass in and out. And one of the days of the Waste Management Open was delayed because of frost. 
Uh, it was it was a weird week where you you were in the sun. It was like, oh my gosh, I'm baking, and you would go into the shade. And so it was freezing what, cold. James? It just it made it a little so weird. What? I'm like, not, this is like you've been doing this. Like, get it, get grass it, and, and, and like if it's not holding up, get it out and get some new grass. And I don't. I mean, you're making so many excuses. No, you're I'm the not little league mom excuses. keeping score for a kid. It's, it's that's not, what you're doing. Nope, not, that's not an error. That's a base hit. That's what you're doing. It's I'm surprised. Not Teflon groundskeeper. Uh, I'm not doing yes, that. Yes, I'm you just, are. I'm just giving you the report of what was happening. Down there. It was a, a little lot, bit weird. A lot of excuses for the groundskeeper. That's his one job, James. I get it. He his had one, one job. job. He had one job. And, and like, failed. probably unlimited budget, and that's what we watched. We they had that. two years to figure it out. They said they were developing that grass for two years. So whatever circumstance was this past week, you would have thought that that, that had occurred over the course of two years no to be able to react to it. Super Bowl 50, it was bad, too, though, if you remember. Broncos players were slipping all over the, the place in Santa Clara. So it's not the first time it's happened. But, yeah, you certainly don't want to see that on this stage where that's a factor in the game. Even if it's, you know, 0.1%, you, you just don't want that to come And that was it. a huge factor. Yeah. I mean, you saw guys slipping all over the place. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't was, good. It wasn't good. That's ridiculous. But it was a, a fantastic game that just, I think, unless you were rooting for the Chiefs, you just came away from it going, ah. I was talking to an NFL coach last night. I was talking to an NFL coach last night, and, and out of the blue, he's just like, they ruined it. They ruined the game. It was an all-time classic, and they ruined yeah. the game by making that call. Yeah. Wow. It was uh, – Wow. And, I, and I, I don't think that's an overstatement. By the way, speaking of Super Bowls, uh, have you seen Bullies of Baltimore? Yeah, I watched uh, half of it. And, and right after I scored that touchdown to break the streak, I just turned it off. And yeah. <laughs> I, didn't know, I didn't know you had the touchdown to break the streak. Yeah. I mean, obviously I knew about the Dude, Super we've Bowl. We've been doing this for six years. He never shared that with me. No. We've referenced that stretch – Repeatedly, it would, but the Broncos' offense, we'd keep bringing it up, and they're like, eh, "It's almost like that Ravens." And he never mentioned that. And then there's also the the one where uh, Brian Billick's giving the, the speech, and there's shirtless Stoke in the background I, I, for yeah. like three minutes, I looking like that. he needs like three protein shakes. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just you, shredded. <laughs> you were the star of the show, man. Uh, I don't know about that, but <laughs> James, uh, thanks for being here. DenverSports.com. Uh, week at the Super Bowl, you got a great tan, you got that glow. That's right. Uh, That's right. Mission accomplished. Glad to have you back. Thank you. Okay, can the Broncos turn things around in short order with Sean Payton? History actually says yes. We'll fill you in what you need to know coming up next.